0: Welcome, it's The Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here, and wherever you get your podcast. Thank you very much. Well, it's a big weekend in the NFL for some. For others, uh, like Donovan said yesterday, the day before, uh, it's bowl game season. The games that don't really matter. Uh, for teams like the New England Patriots and the Washington Commanders. Well, I guess, I guess those games do matter because they probably want to lose those games. Um, We've got a lot to get to on the show today. We're going to look at some of the big games, probably the biggest games of the weekend. Uh, But Donovan, we had some news yesterday, and it's actually one of the teams that we're going to talk about first. Um, Baltimore Ravens go out and sign Dalvin Cook off the scrap heap. And if he rushes for, I believe, like 1,047 yards this weekend, he gets like a million-dollar bonus or something like that. I don't know that it's in the cards this weekend. But who knows? Maybe we'll see some magic. Is that news?
1: I mean, he
0: it's clear not. Ravers. It's
1: not. Baltimore st- decides to add another formerly good running back that's not good. Like, oh, yeah, I-, I remember when Melvin Gordon was good. It wasn't in the last calendar year, but yeah, he's on the team. And now it wasn't in the got-
0: last three or four calendar yeah. years, actually.
1: Now you've got Dalvin Cook. So, uh, I mean,.
0: Just, Listen, he's he's better than some of the other guys on the scrap heap. That's kind of where he's the best of the worst at this point. I And you know what, Donovan, if I recall correctly, there was someone who said that Dalvin Cook was washed and don't expect anything from him this year. Can't I'll, It'll come back to me on who said that. Anyway.
1: I think it was the other uh, 31 teams that didn't sign him.
0: They certainly could. Do you remember the conversations of, yeah, Dalvin Cook's going to sign with the Miami Dolphins and he's going to get $9 million? And those people were on something really good. And I kind of want to know what they were on because I could probably use some of that right now. Like that, that's the conversation that we were having about Dalvin Cook. The speed factor, what speed? The guy looks like he's running in quicksand, not really super concerned about him.
1: His reality. If the Baltimore Ravens have to play Dalvin Cook in a meaningful snap, they're in trouble. There isn't. You mentioned greater than, you know, some of the other options. I mean, how many options can't give you three yards of carry? Like, <laughs> a, greater by name alone. Uh, I, I don't expect him to have a meaningful moment. We've seen this before, whether it's Shady McCoy on the Chiefs or Malvin Gordon on the Chiefs, a team makes a run to the championship, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That once good back was on that team and happened to get a ring but really didn't contribute. I expect this is going to be the same.
0: Well, I'm assuming he's going to get some run this weekend against the Steelers because they pro- part of it was probably to sign him so they could have another body. It's been well told that the Ravens have had their struggles keeping running backs healthy, uh, J.K. Dobbins at the beginning of the year, uh, Keaton Mitchell just recently. I'm assuming they want to keep Justice Hill and Gus Edwards fairly healthy going into the playoffs. Um, so I would assume Dalvin Cook gets a lot of run. And for someone that is cheering against the opposition – Uh, I hope that Dalvin Cook gets his 1,000 yards or whatever it is to get his bonus. Um, But let's focus on the Pittsburgh Steelers here. So, and pardon me, I'm still dealing with whatever the heck I'm dealing with, so bear with me. But for each game, I'm going to lay out the scenarios, the clinching scenarios for whoever is involved that is still trying to get to play. So as we know, the Ravens have already clinched uh, top seed in the AFC. They will get a bye. That That is home and cooled. So Pittsburgh gets in with a win and a Buffalo loss or Pittsburgh win and a Jacksonville loss or tie or Pittsburgh win, Houston and Indy tie or Pittsburgh ties, Jacksonville loses and Houston and Indy don't end up in a tie or, and this is where it gets freaky to me, Jacksonville loss, Denver win and Houston and Indianapolis doesn't end up in a tie. Did I confuse you enough?
1: I think Pittsburgh's getting in. There are just so
0: many oars. <laughs> there are there's a, there's a lot of oars on that boat, pal. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, listen, I think Pittsburgh's getting in because I think Pittsburgh's going to beat Baltimore, and it would be very Baltimore to take the division rivalry serious. I, I just think the drop off between. Huntley and Lamar Jackson is one that is so great that uh, Pittsburgh, knowing that their playoff lives uh, are on the line, uh, show up and play well. What say you?
0: I, I feel like, was it last year? I feel like it was last year that Pittsburgh had a chance to beat Baltimore in the final week of the year to get into the playoffs and Tyler Huntley beat them. Granted, he had starters playing. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is not going to play, although whatever. Zay Flowers may still play. You might see Rashad Bateman. I'm assuming Isaiah Likely is going to play at least a little bit. Like, the que- the question for me is, and especially the way that Pittsburgh has been able to move the ball since Mason, which I can't believe I'm saying, since Mason Rudolph took over, how many defensive starters are not going to be playing in that game because it's less about the offense for me and more about the defense. That's more my, you know, question about this game. And speaking of Mason Rudolph, like, his two starts, he's taking care of the football, at least 274 yards in both of those games. You know, two TDs, no interceptions. Uh, it, it's also allowed the run game to improve. Najee Harris has had 78 yards and 122 yards on the ground in those starts. Jalen Warren had 75 last game against the Seahawks. If the Ravens start most of their guys on defense, this is going to be tough sledding for Mason Rudolph and company. Here's the biggest thing, and I don't know the answer to this. And if somebody wants to weigh in and let us know, please do. I don't know how many of these defensive guys have bonuses that they're still playing for. Like Justin Matabike has 13 and a half sacks does Justin Matabike have a a bonus in his contract if he gets 15 sacks? Like, I I don't know the answer to that question. So, you know, does does Roquan Smith or Patrick Queen have, you know, tackle bonuses in their – I don't know. So that's another thing that, you know, maybe these guys play a half so they can possibly get those bonuses. So that's going to be a big question for me. But if I had told you that in week 18 that Tyler Huntley – and Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is the third quarterback going into this year. Let's not forget. If I had told you those two guys were starting in week 18, you would have said these teams are where? Uh,
1: the one and two seeds in the AFC, and they're resting their actual starters. I would be more surprised that we were going to get the Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz pool of uh, oh QBs yeah. trying to uh, reestablish themselves as former, uh, highly touted first round picks. Uh, the bonus. Conversation is interesting. I think the other interesting aspect of this is is game checks in terms of people playing uh, When they're healthy and active and making sure they get uh, that game check What people don't understand about this type of year in relation to what we see in the preseason is you're dealing with a limited roster your practice roster is only so big You can only really, really talk about seven people coming up and coming down. And one of those, you know, for these teams is going to be certainly a quarterback. It's not as if you can just rest half your team uh, as if you're Florida State and and show up and play. Uh, And I think the other aspect is you need to evaluate these situations differently for a Baltimore and a San Francisco who are looking at not one but two weeks off. In relation to a team like Kansas City, for example, who knows that they're going to be playing uh, in in the following week. And and so that calculation of rest versus rust, you know, the famous talk show conversation that we love to have around this time, which really isn't much of a conversation for me unless we're talking about uh, playoff baseball, uh, where we've seen over the last couple of years that maybe – Uh, having your starters not throw their routine for like 18 days, not ideal. Uh, That conversation is different now that only one team per conference gets a buy.
0: Yeah, totally, totally different conversation. I'm glad you brought that up with the practice squad too because, I mean, there was a reason why that was done too. It's, you know, you can't hide guys on the practice squad anymore. Like you, you are not capable of doing that. Like if, if you had told me that Tyler Huntley and Mason Rudolph were starting in week 18, I would have told you that uh, for in a meaningful game for one of those teams, I would have told you that the Baltimore Ravens had a buy and they just wanted to get Tyler Huntley. Like, they they've already clinched whatever. If, if you had told me Mason Rudolph was starting, I would have said, well, this season's gone to hell because Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett have been horrible that's kind of like uh, that or they both got hurt which one of them did and the season like this was Mike Tomlin's you know first season where he's going to finish with a record under 500 he's not going to do that again with a team that based on what we have seen over the course of the year really probably shouldn't be in this conversation to be in the playoffs Donovan
1: no question and I think the other aspect of it in football specifically when you look at, okay, how do you evaluate these games? Where do you draw the the, the line in terms of the betting? And when you're not really sure who's going to play, who's going to be motivated, who's not. The other aspect is resting people, that's one thing. I mean, players going to play, how long they play, whatnot. But to me, the bigger aspect is what do you show? How many plays are you calling? How many formations are you calling? How many exotic blitzes are you calling? How vanilla are you calling the game? And thus easier for the opponent to get into run fits that they like, get into play calls and check into plays that they like. If you are the staff in self-scouting for Baltimore and San Francisco, you're thinking, got a couple things we don't want to put on tape. We may use it in round one. But also, we might see this team again. Certainly, if you're the Niners, you already have to play the Rams twice a year as it is. And McVay and Shanahan know each other like the back of their hand as it is, and they've got a bit of a bromance rivalry as it is. And then and certainly when you look at the Ravens and Steelers, two teams that play each other again twice a year, two coaches who know each other very well, staffs who know each other very well. And listen, do I think the Steelers can not only get in, but get hot and and win a game? Probably not. But guess what? If they do, you know who they're going to play? They're going to play the Baltimore Ravens because yep. they're going to be a, a lower seed. And then as we reseed in this in the divisional round, that's who Baltimore is going to see.
0: So here's a question for you. Mason Rudolph gets this team into the playoffs because it certainly didn't look like Mitch Trubisky was going to do that. And the, the, the question still remains about Kenny Pickett, like they're oh, not boy. moving on from Kenny Pickett. They're I know probably move. I know, I know where you going. Probably moving on from Mitch Trubisky. If, Mason Rudolph gets this team into the playoffs do the Pittsburgh Steelers need to have a serious look at this competition here I know that there's first round draft capital and Kenny Pickett I understand that but if you are Mike Tomlin you are in the business of winning and putting the best team on the field Mason Rudolph has had this offense going better than any quarterback has this season am I on to something here or am I crazy
1: you're you're not on to something
0: Uh, you're not so I am crazy no 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 okay
1: which which is why I believe once Kenny Pickett was fully healthy Kenny Pickett remained not starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers and all of the talk coming out of Pittsburgh was that it was going to be a meritocracy and then we had the rumors that Kenny Pickett didn't want to back up Mason Rudolph uh, if he wasn't gonna be starting he disputed that in a way that seemed to be telling on himself, saying that there was never any conversation of being the the backup, thus how he didn't shut it down, and that when he was healthy, he was always going to start. But guess what? You, You are seemingly healthy, and you're not starting. So that doesn't make sense. I think here's the bigger issue for me. At the beginning of the season next year, Kenny Pickett's going to be 26 years old. And so we have a scenario where, you know, we've got this young QB, we're developing him, you know, we're extending the clock in terms of what we do and building the roster around him. At this point, you kind of know what you are. Mason Rudolph is only three years older than Kenny Pickett is. They both are, I think, somewhat known quantities. So I I think if it's not Mason Rudolph, uh, if he plays well enough to get them in, um, it, it, and it's not a full-out competition. To me, that means that they're resetting the clock and they're moving on essentially from both of them. And I said, yeah, you know what? We, we see what the floor is and it being a 10-7 and 7, uh, you know, team, but for us to compete in this division, we need the ceiling to be a lot higher. For the foreseeable future, we're going to have to see uh, Joe Burrow uh, in this division, Uh, And so for the foreseeable future, we're going to have to see two-time MVP Lamar Jackson in this division. We got to find a way to compete at quarterback. The Cleveland Browns decided they were going to do it by selling their soul and it has not worked yet. Uh, But maybe we need to go back into what will be uh, a really deep QB draft class and resetting the clock and balancing our books. So I I, I do actually think Mason Rudolph, he might make us – claim for himself, but he also might make a claim for, well, if he could do that in this offense, what, what was going on with Kenny Pickett for the last two years?
0: When you're talking about the floor, when you're talking about those quarterbacks, the only thing that I could think of was Donovan. The floor is lava okay. with those quarterbacks. You could, you might be able to jump on a rock and stay alive for a little bit, but it's probably not going to last very long. Um, okay, but, let's but let, me, uh, let me ask you,
1: you're the, the GM uh, a, 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 of the Steelers. And, you know, on uh, going deep uh, this week, I'm going to do a um, college football bowl preview. Uh, and, and one of the things I want to explore is what the QBs did for their draft stock this bowl season. And you're looking at, obviously, Caleb Williams, Drake, and May 1-2, we get it. But after that, Jaden Daniels, uh, Pennix Jr., Bo Nix,
0: J.J. McCarthy. Thank you,
1: J.J. McCarthy. We're we're at some point looking at QBs that might not find a a chair in this game of musical chairs. If you like, let's say, Penix Jr., who, again, is like not that much younger than Kenny Pickett. If you like him and he starts sliding and you're the Steelers, how can you not? It, It would be malpractice. Not, not to to take a look, and so that that's why I, I wonder if um, how this year finishes out changes what they th- do at the quarterback position. But if you're the GM, what do you do?
0: Well, I, I'm drafting a quarterback. If, if I if one of those guys falls to me, like even if JJ McCarthy falls to me at at that spot wherever they're drafting, I'm probably taking a quarterback, just like everybody like. I had uh, one of the days you were off, Sean King was on, and we were talking about this concept of, like, if you look at the top of the draft, a lot of these teams have their quarterbacks, right? So there could be a team that gets lucky because somebody just takes a tumble because teams have drafted a quarterback in the last little bit. I doubt the Giants pass on a quarterback, but there's a possibility that they could. They're paying Daniel Jones $40 million. They could start Daniel Jones again and then play out the year and then draft a quarterback next year if it's a bad year. Um, But then there's other teams like, you know, free agency is going to play a big part in all of this. Like, if Kirk Cousins is available and you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you can bring in Kirk Cousins with the team that they have, with the offense that they have, or at least the players that they have, are you taking a shot at Kirk Cousins? Because you've got some older players on your roster. Your window is, you're not like the Houston Texans, right? Like your window is is not that wide open. It's probably a lot short, uh, smaller. So maybe that's a route that they go. Like they're not signing Russell Wilson because that's not going to do anything for anybody. But a guy like Kirk Cousins would make a little bit of sense there. Um, there will be other quarterbacks that are going to become available that we're going to go, okay, guys that maybe we didn't think of. Like maybe Arizona gets hot and heavy for one of these quarterbacks and they say, you know what, we're going to trade Kyler Murray. I don't think that they're going to, but they could. So, so that part is, you know, very, you know, in it's within the realm of possibility. So, if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm getting a quarterback whether through the draft, or uh, via trade, or, or free agency.
1: Well, uh, okay, let well just as we quick, wrap, yeah. For context for the listeners, depending on if they make the playoffs and you know what round they lose in, let's say they lose in the wild card round, you know, for argument' sake this is a team that could draft anywhere from 24 to they could go to around 13 potentially, depending on what happens this week. So that's a big golf in terms of the type of quarterback you could be looking at in the middle of the first round and, or how much draft capital you might need to move up. If you you like one of the guys a bit higher.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Moving on. And here's two teams that are not going to be acquiring quarterbacks, although one of them may be moving on. Um, Texans and Colts, the Texans are actually favored on the road in Indianapolis. The total is 47 and a half. Uh, Both teams can still win the division with a win coupled with a Jacksonville loss or tie. And then the other scenario is basically uh, neither of these teams tie. You win, you're in. That's that's what they're playing for. Uh, CJ Stroud versus Gardner Minshew in the loser goes home matchup. Uh, Both of these teams have been better than expected. And one of them may be even better when their actual starter comes back next year. Like, you know, we talk about the Colts, and you and I, we talked about this. No shame, because I think a lot of people thought the same way. We didn't think the Colts were going to be very good this year. And I was a little bit more bullish on the Texans than you were. I, th- I don't think anybody could have seen the type of season that CJ Stroud has had. Um, but when you look at both of these teams, and, you know, and we're going to talk about the Jags next this is a really big missed opportunity for Jacksonville because both of these teams are on the up and up here. Both of these teams were not supposed to be in this position. And now they are both fighting for a playoff spot, whether it be a wildcard spot or potentially a division champion, a division title. <laughs> How shocked are you, I guess, is the question on where both of these teams are. And could you ever have imagined a Houston and Indianapolis game that did not include Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning or Deshaun Watson with both of these teams playing that would mean this much? Now, I know they didn't overlap, but just saying, like, they've both come a long way and have exceeded expectations, even my expectations for Houston.
1: How shocked am I? Totally shocked. 100% shocked. 110% shocked. Whatever the highest level of shocked you could be, that's me. L- let's be clear. I, I thought that in-, in some form or fashion, the battle for the top three picks in the draft were going to be the Los Angeles Rams, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, with Jonathan Taylor sitting out to start the year, and a you know, somewhat raw QB leading them, and the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud and what seemed like nobody around him. Boy. Was I wrong because those three teams uh, are led by coaches that I think are in the coach of the year conversation along with Kevin Stefanski. I I think the winner of this game, the the narrative is so interesting winner of this game puts a nice feather in the cap in terms of the resume for coach of the year in terms of the QBs. I mean, uh, Pukunakua is is breaking records, but CJ Stroud goes off and gets his team into the playoffs. He helps his resume for rookie of the year. You mentioned Gardner Minshew. There's going to be some moving around quarterbacks. Can he go off and not only be a high priority backup, but could he get a starter's role somewhere? I don't think so, but we've seen, you know, crazier things happen in the NFL. But nobody thought that these teams would be in this position. You want to know how I know? Because this is the first game this year. The Houston Texans are not playing in the 1 p.m. Sunday slot this year. The first time. (laughs) How many times have the Colts done it? They've they've done it once. They played at four once. These teams have essentially been buried until now. And now I think it's the undercard for best game of the week after Dolphins and Bill. So I'm, I'm so surprised that they're there. And you talked about Stroud versus Minshew. I actually think this is Stroud- versus Gus Bradley because you know we talk about this all the time styles make fights in terms of football and I mentioned this in my column which is not out yet but will be for sportsnet.ca and talking about the 10 NFL stats Stroud destroys zone coverage. He's great at reading it which you know maybe we shouldn't have worried about you know his standardized testing scores and his ability to process because he's got a 72 QBR second in the league 7.5 yards per drop back fourth in the league against zone coverage. Well, you know who loves zone coverage? Gus Bradley in the Indianapolis Colts, uh, they're in zone fourth most in the league at 69% of the time. 33% of the time, that's a cover three, which is essentially the easiest coverage to be able to walk to the line of scrimmage and figure out, oh, that corner is deep, that safety is deep, that other corner is deep. I guess it's cover three. So I think Stroud goes off if they play the amount of zone that they've played previously. It, it, but I'm, this is going to sound so bizarre. I'm looking forward to watching colts texans i don't love either team i don't love either ownership group uh either team historically but i love the vibes of the teams this year and i think this is gonna be a real fun matchup to watch
0: you made a good point about the coach of the year i was actually going to ask you about that is you know whoever wins this could end up as a finalist for coach of the year um here's Who's my yours? question about Who's yours on the spot right now coach of the year yes uh, it's probably Kevin Stefanski.
1: It probably is. I mean, he, he's he's lost in safeties. He's lost linemen. He's, he's lost, you know, a quarter of his cap to IR. He's lost three quarterbacks, which actually is a blessing in disguise. I think this is honestly Sean McVay's best job coaching a football team, and he's won mm-hmm. a Super Bowl, and he also like, essentially, you know, had the – bowling bumper rails for jared goff when he coached him but i think how do you not give it to kevin stefanski
0: yeah like there's lots though kevin stefanski's in there d'amico ryan's in there shane Steichen's in there uh sean mcvay like you mentioned jonathan gannon jonathan john harbaugh john harbaugh yeah kyle shanahan like all of those guys should all be in that conversation this is i think this is the hardest year to predict a lot of the awards I, i mean mvp is Home and cooled now, but it wasn't for the longest time. And I think coach of the year is going to be a very interesting one, too. Um, Just a quick one on Gardner Minshew here. If you, he's a free agent, and I'm not, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, somebody should sign him to start next year. But twofold. One, if you are the Indianapolis Colts, do you overpay Gardner Minshew to stay based on the job that he's done, being very professional, coming in when you needed him and knowing? how Anthony Richardson plays and having that reliable guy. I think you need a reliable guy anyway, but you know what Gardner Minshew brings to the table. And if you are a team that is drafting a quarterback, do you overpay to bring Gardner Minshew in based on the job that he's done? Cause I don't think he's going to, I mean, he could go to a contending team, but he's still young enough where he probably, you know, wants to get into games and you know, whatever, I wonder about Gardner Minshew and how many teams are going to be interested in his services this year. Yes and yes.
1: And listen, we heard it from Mark Tressman yesterday. If you missed the podcast, outstanding a conversation with so good. Mark Tressman and Amy Trask on yesterday's episode Evergreen. So go back in your feed and listen to it if you're listening live on radio right now. And Mark Tressman said the most important room in the building, in the organization, in sports, maybe in all of business is the quarterback room and the sanctity of it and the trust that you need in it. I don't expect when Anthony Richardson is healthy next year for this to be a Carson Wentz, Nick Foles situation where you know the starter is looking over his back. The locker room actually likes the backup. They've won. They've had great success with him. There's, there's a statue of the backup outside the building. I don't think anyone, no matter how well the Colts do, running out the stretch this year, think like, oh, well, you know what, Gardner Minshew gives us a better chance to win, short or long-term, than Anthony Richardson, but he's a great, uh, one, he's a great mentor, but two, he's a, a great security blanket if and when Anthony Richardson gets nicked up uh, a bit or if and when there are some you know speed bumps in his development because the other thing Mark Trestman said is quarterback development is not linear and it looks different for everybody. So it's really nice to have that insurance policy in Gardner Minshew because I think, That's what he is. Like, people fell in love with the fact that, man, Ryan Fitzpatrick ended the year on fire with the Miami Dolphins. Is he a starter? No, he's not. He's he's a backup for a reason. He has physical limitations that allow him to play really well in spots but over a larger sample size is not going to be the best player on a championship team, which you hope your quarterback is going to be. So, to answer your question, yes and yes. If I have a young quarterback, I I think the proof is in the – putting on what we saw this year, Uh, whether it's the Colts or someone else, uh, I would overpay to have Gardner Minshew in the building. And I think we've learned this is a two QB sport. How many teams get through this season with two QBs? And how many teams need their backup QB to, to get to the end of the season? Just look at the teams in the playoff race. We've talked about it. The AFC is the conference of backups right now.
0: Yeah, it really is. Uh, speaking of a backup, uh, let's be quick on this one here. Jags minus five and a half at Tennessee. The totals 40. So Jacksonville is playing for the division a, and a or a playoff spot. So they win and they clinch the FC South. They lose and they need a Pittsburgh loss or tie, which we will know by tomorrow uh, or a Pittsburgh loss, Denver loss or tie. And Houston Indy doesn't end in a tie. So Trevor Lawrence has done some throwing drills. Uh, he was limited. Christian Kirk is running at practice, uh, but are they going to be ready in time to play? Seems like Lawrence may have a more clear path to play than Christian Kirk, uh, but even that might be a long shot. Doug Peterson uh, just said uh, only a few moments ago that this is this could run right up to game time. He's going to try and ramp up, but this could be a very much a game time decision. We don't need to spend a ton of time here because the Jags have kind of struggled, but here's my question to you. Is C.J. Beathard a better option than Trevor Lawrence at 75% or less?
1: Probably. I mean, That's Trevor how I feel too. plays through everything and, and now finally has missed the game. But he, although he was able to play, he hasn't played well. And so, it, yeah, I, I was somewhat surprised at how good Beathard is. You know you're not going against an offense that is going to set a high bar and how much you have to score. Uh, Levis has a third-worst completion percentage, 578 since week ten, so defensively, the way the Jags can play defensively and get after the passer, you should only need two scores to win this game. So yeah, I think Bethard's the best option. You?
0: Yeah, I think so too. I, I just look at it and say, how do you how do you not look at this uh, if you're Jacksonville and say like like you said, we don't need a ton of points here. The last time these two teams played, Jacksonville won 34-14. Will Levis was thirteen of seventeen for one hundred and fifty eight yards and two touchdowns. If, they, if there's any hope that Tennessee is going to be in this game, they're going to have to throw the ball a lot, and you're putting a lot of pressure on Will Leves. And, I mean, maybe pressure is not the right word because their season's home and cool. Um, they're done. They stink. Uh, Mike Vrabel talked about how much losing sucks uh, with a couple of expletives in there. I can't see a scenario in which the Jags lose this game, but I can see a scenario in which the Jags lose this game. Like, there's just weird stuff happens in big moments like – we, I think we could both envision a scenario where the Pittsburgh Steelers lose. I think we can both envision a scenario where the Jacksonville Jaguars lose. Just because, let's face it, the Jags haven't been that great. And we could talk about their win last week. But they beat the Panthers. The Panthers stink. The, t- the Titans are at least better than the Carolina Panthers. So maybe this game is a little bit closer than we might think. But um, I would be going with C.J. Beathard in this one if Trevor Lawrence is not near 80% for me. Um, Okay, let's hit a break. When we come back, we've got three more games to get to. Bears at Packers. That could be a really spicy one. Falcons at Saints. And then, of course, we'll finish it off with the Bills at the Dolphins. This is the Fan Checkdown. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. You're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. As we get you set for what should be a wonderful weekend in the NFL. I mean, there's going to be a lot of bad games that you're not going to watch. Like if you're trying to think of a team that's like if you're a Chargers fan, are you watching the game this week? You can't, right?
1: It's a ritual. What else are you going to watch?
0: Other good teams play rather than that. Like, you're going to put yourself through another Easton stick throwing to Alex Erickson all all game day? Like, I don't know if I'm going to do that.
1: I think you are. It's your team. You're going to tailgate. You're going to put the jersey on. You're going to have friends over. You're going to commiserate with the highs and lows. And, listen, Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes,
0: Probably oh yeah, barn burner. Travis
1: Kelsey, after he gets his a thousand yards, he probably comes out of the game. This this is Chargers' best opportunity for a win,
0: <laughs> a win that the fan base probably doesn't want at this point. True. Um, their biggest win would have to be getting a nice uh, little present of a head coach. Uh, okay, Bears at Packers. Packers favored by three points in this one. The totals forty-four. So here's the scenario for the Packers, and this one's convoluted. So bear with me. Packers win and. Win and in, or Packers tie with a Seattle loss or tie and a New Orleans loss or tie, or Green Bay tie, Seattle loss and Tampa Bay loss, or Green Bay tie, Seattle tie, or Tampa Bay loss, uh, tie and Tampa Bay loss, or tie, or Minnesota loss or tie and Seattle loss. And anyway, lots of wins and losses, ties and all that nonsense. Uh, Green Bay's got to win to get in here. This is a big one for both quarterbacks here because. If Jordan Love gets the Packers into the playoffs in his first year, and that's something that Aaron Rodgers didn't do in his last, it really says something about the year he's had. We already know he's in for a pretty big payday. But also, beating the ba- like getting into the playoffs is one thing, but beating the Bears to get into the playoffs at Lambeau Field, that feels like it it has a lot of it, you know, keeps a lot of cachet. In your pocket with the fan base if you can do that and let's face it jordan love since week 11 has been one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl
1: no question and as you mentioned they're in the same similar spot against an nfc north opponent that is a rival with your playoff destiny in your hands and rogers fell short a year ago love has had a better year on balance than Rodgers had last year, even though there were high highs and some low lows. He's currently riding the wave of a high high to end the year. I think either way, you know that you've got your quarterback of the future in Jordan Love. But when I look at this matchup, in terms of what this could mean for QB evaluation, I don't think it's about Jordan Love, because we know he's going to be there long-term, he's done enough to prove that. It is Jalen Hurts, and has he done
0: enough? Justin Fields, Justin Fields. Sorry,
1: Justin Fields. And has he done enough to enter the conversation of being there uh, for the foreseeable future? And uh, when we look at the two players and two prospects, Justin Fields was the higher-rated prospect coming out of college. They were put in entirely different scenarios where one was asked to play right away without a real plan, has played in multiple offenses. The other sat and waited and groomed and has had some consistency in the offense that he's been in. And so I just think philosophically when you look at, and we talked about this with Mark Trestman, developing a young QB two organizations who have done it differently on the fly, um, Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how those two things... Uh, it, coalesce in this matchup
0: yeah and again you know as as it would be a a lot uh a lot of love from the fan no pun intended from the fan base if jordan love can beat the the bears to get into the playoffs uh i think i think justin fields wouldn't need to buy a beer in chicago for a bit if he was able to stop the green bay packers from getting into the playoffs by going into lambeau field and beating the Green Bay Packers, I think that goes a long way. I
1: think but it goes a long way for his future too but i want I actually want to get your opinion on for the for the group, for the team, for the head coach, assuming he 's back. How far does it go in terms of building culture and momentum into next year? Because remember, we were talking about the Detroit Lions as spoilers, the end of the year they got hot. And they got in, they carried that momentum into the offseason with a really strong draft and then into the regular season playing well against the defending champs in week one. And they were everybody's cool pick to be a resurgent team. And and they have been. We know that no matter what they do at the quarterback position, the Bears will have lots of draft capital. Uh, they finished the season strong, especially after uh, the Montes sweat trade. So uh, in terms of the vibes of the organization, remember, earlier this year, we were talking about, man, how many bad stories in one week can we talk about with the Chicago mm-hmm. Bears? Coaches being investigated, apparently FBI maybe at Hallis Hall, changing coordinators and coaches, Justin Fields giving press conferences and then having to explain the press conferences. It was a mess, and now – Uh, they seem to have been moving in the right direction and having positive stories around.
0: I think you need to win this game if you're the Chicago bears. And here's why it doesn't matter what draft pick slot you get, because you still have the number one pick like that. That's the beauty of all of this. And you're talking about setting that winning culture. I think it's important to go into the off season on a high note with the quarterback playing well, with the number one wide receiver playing well with the defense with you. Like you mentioned with Montez sweat being added to it, playing well, if they win this, I think Matt Eberflus keeps his job because I think he's shown enough over the course of the second half of the season that with the right players in place, they can make this work. Let's also not forget that Justin Fields missed time this year. Like, what would how many games would they have won if Tyson uh, if Tyson Bagent wasn't playing and Justin Fields was? Like, we could be talking about a playoff team. They win. They finish eight and nine. Like, that's nothing to sneeze at for a team that. Really has had a lot of changes over the last few years. So for me, I think that they need to win this game. Uh, not only is it good for the morale of the team, but it's it's a really good look to be you know eight and nine as opposed to seven and ten to finish off the year. I, I think this is actually going to be a really good football game, one that I will certainly have my eye on. Uh, okay, Falcons at Saints. Saints favored by three points in this one. Uh, the totals forty two. So Atlanta clinches the AFC South with a win and a Tampa Bay loss. That is their only path to the playoffs. New Orleans clinches the division with a win and a Tampa Bay loss or tie or a new Orleans tie and Tampa Bay loss. New Orleans clinches a playoff berth with a new Orleans win Seattle loss or tie and green Bay loss or tie or new Orleans tie with a Seattle loss and a green Bay loss. So, My dream of two teams from the NFC South getting into the playoffs still lives on, Donovan. Um, But that's not the important part of this. The important question here is, is this the loser gets fired game as it pertains to these head coaches? Because it it feels like it might be.
1: So we talked about head coaching vacancies and how many of them might there be. And I was kind of like, ah, you know what? I don't think there's going to be that many. Man, we already have a bunch. I don't know how many... Teams make a move. And then the more I thought about it and the more I listened to your argument, you've turned me. I think we could see as as much as 10. And it's because I think we could see four in one division, your favorite division, the NFC South. Could we see a clean sweep of the entire division? If Tampa Bay doesn't get in, I, I think if you're looking at new Orleans, I think they can make a change. Even if they do get in, because getting in was not the bar. That Mm -hmm. they set in terms of success. And this is one of the most expensive rosters. Depending on what they do in terms of paying out bonuses. Either one or two in terms of the amount of money committed moving forward in the National Football League. So, yeah, I I think it could be the coach who loses leaves town the next day match. I think both coaches could end up leaving town uh, to start uh, 2024. Uh, That's how depressing the NFC South has been.
0: Here's the one thing that both of these teams have in common. I think both of these teams have very good skill position groups. I think in new Orleans with the two wide receivers in Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid, I think they're both really good. Uh, Shahid was even a pro bowler as a punt returner. Um, You also have, I think Juwan Johnson's a good tight end. I think Alvin Kamara is a really good running back. I think Kendra Miller, when healthy and gets a run, will be a good running back. So I think that that skill position group is good. And then you look in Atlanta and you look at Bijan Robinson, you look at Kyle Pitts, you look at Drake London, and you look at even Tyler Algier. I think that's a good skill position group. Both of these teams do not have the quarterback to go along with the skill position group. Derek Carr is not the answer in new Orleans. We could have told you that when they signed him, we know that Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke are both not the answers in Atlanta. Both of these coaches could theoretically say, look at the seasons we had and look at the quarterback play that we got. Just get us a quarterback. I don't know if that (laughs) argument holds water uh, because, you know, Arthur Smith would run the ball 3,000 times a game if he could. But I think that both of those coaches could say, well, get me a quarterback and then watch what I can do.
1: They could. I mean, the Saints would say, we just got you a quarterback. Last year, that was really expensive. Um, But, yeah, no question uh, they could. I I feel like in either scenario, if they don't make a change this offseason, we're just delaying the inevitable unless there is a drastic change a year from now. If either of these coaches or potentially both of them come back, they're going to be the names that we mentioned to start the year on mess around and start 0-4, you're on the the hot seat. So we'll see, uh, barring a roster overhaul, which again, in the Saints uh, scenario, will be tough given the amount of money they've already committed. Um, But yeah, this is why I was, I don't know about you, I was skeptical going to a 17th week one would be great for the product because it's tough enough to, to play 16 weeks of football and two I just thought the odd number of games might give us some playoff scenarios that are a little bit wonky, but um, we got a bunch of games that I think are intriguing for many different reasons. This is one.
0: Uh, and that leaves us with probably the, not probably, the marquee matchup of the weekend. It's the Bills at the Dolphins. The Bills are favored by three points in this one on the road, totals 49.5. Buffalo and Miami can, they clinch the AFC East. With a win. Buffalo clinches a playoff berth with a tie. Obviously, with a win, they do that as well, but they clinch a playoff berth with a tie or Pittsburgh loss or tie or a Jacksonville loss or tie or a Houston Indy tie. Lots of ties, lots of ties, lots of losses. Um, Josh Allen has absolutely owned. The Miami Dolphins over the course of his career, nine and two, and in his last three games against the Dolphins, three regular season games against the Dolphins, he has thrown for at least three hundred and four yards with to- with touchdown totals of four, four, and two, and zero interceptions. In last year's playoff game against Miami, he threw for three hundred and fifty two yards with three touchdowns and two interceptions. Miami's a little banged up now. Tyreek Hill wasn't at practice yesterday because his house caught on fire, and thankfully. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was injured. That's, that's good to hear. Uh, Jalen Waddle did some stretching on the side, but it didn't, he didn't practice. No Raheem Mostert. No Xavier Howard. Obviously, no Bradley Chubb. But Teron Armstead and Zach Sealer both returned to practice. So, some injury questions going into this one. I'm assuming that Raheem Mostert is probably closer to a game-time decision, uh, if he's even that. And Jalen Waddle will be interesting. How do you kind of weigh this matchup out? Because I look at it and say, well, the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen at the helm have dominated the Miami Dolphins. Whether it be in Miami or in Buffalo, it doesn't matter. We saw the beatdown that the Bills put on the Dolphins earlier this year, to which I responded with the Dolphins are frauds. If the Dolphins lose this game, they are very fraudulent. Injuries or not, this is a home game for you. And I did see that it was kind of funny. There was a a Dolphins fan that was begging Dolphins fans to show up to the game. And a Bills fan responded with, I have never had to beg this fan base to show up for an important game. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the crowd is like. Um, But also, if the weather is good, this feels like a coin flip here.
1: I don't think it's a coin flip. I I think that number uh, in terms of, The Bills being favored is low. They should be favored by more. Listen, this is a terrible matchup. The Dolphins are limping to the finish line. The Bills have more motivation because the Dolphins are going to get in regardless. But I think the name that you mentioned that matters the most is Bradley Chubb. He's been on the field for 81% of the Dolphins' snaps, uh, and they've given up a QBR of 44 in those plays. When he's not on the field, so the other 19% of snaps, uh, that QBR jumps to 79 it, 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 they're an entirely different team. And guess what? You know who uh, feasts when they don't have pressure? Josh Allen. So on top of the fact he's already good against the Dolphins, he's already good against uh, Vic Fangio. He has a 73 QBR when not pressured, 10th best in the NFL. The, the, the Bills should win this one easily for me because even some of the players who are going to play for Miami, Tyreek Hill, the very scary but thankfully um, – Okay, footage of his house burning down when he's looking at it across the street. He's wearing a walking boot. That was midweek, and he's supposed to play at a high level uh, this weekend. The Bills should win this one. And if they don't and they potentially need help to get in, shame on them.
0: Oh, but see, here's the thing. As a Bills fan, Donovan, this is where my PTSD comes in. I, it shouldn't be because I think that they're a good football team. I think that they have vastly improved from that rough stretch that they had where they couldn't beat anybody. They've played better football of late. They've beaten the Chiefs. They've beaten the Cowboys. Like, they've done their job to get to this point. But I'm a Bills fan, and I know better to expect anything to be easy. The game against the Chargers should not have been as sweaty as they made it. but. God knows they made it. Now, that you know that dead cat bounce that we talk about with a new coach, yes, that happens often. Um, but, boy, oh, boy, I am uh, a little nervous, Donovan. Uh, I feel a little bit of a cough coming. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the show on Monday if the Bills lose. No, I'll be here. More be stressful here to take my
1: watching loss. Steelers Ravens for you or watching Bills Dolphins?
0: Well, I think it's more stressful with the Bills because regardless of what happens in the Steelers-Ravens game or the Jags game, that the Bills control their own destiny. Like, win and you're in, baby. That's it. I'm nervous. Not going to lie. Okay, that's going to do it for us on the Fan Checkdown. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Donovan across the table, Andrew behind the glass, and thank you to all you for listening. Uh, Have an enjoyable weekend. Try it for it to be more enjoyable than mine's potentially going to be and enjoy the weekend of football. It's going to be a lot of fun. And on the other side on Monday, we're going to have lots to talk about. We'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend.